Rock stars, songwriters, the sidemen and women, music producers, and more. Join Dana Steele each week to talk about the rock business. Slide into the booth and join the conversation. This is Dana's Diner on Houston Radio Platinum. I love doing Dana's Diner because it's really just an excuse for me to talk to old friends and find out what they're doing and what they're up to. Uh, This old friend I happen to uh, run into the other day and go check out Soundcheck, and that is Brad Gillis with Night Ranger. How are you? Hi, Dana. I'm fine. It's it's nice to be home for uh, a little nine-day homestand and uh, a couple days into it, and Last year, 2023, we were probably on the road about uh, almost 200 days. So it's nice to be home. You're out on the road, but you have this really cool new album out. It's not just Night Ranger. Night Ranger. It's an orchestra. And I downloaded that on Spotify. Thanks for sharing that with me. That is fantastic. How did that come about? Well, I got to tell you, Dana, we've done pretty much everything under the sun with this band. And uh, that was kind of like a list uh, item to, to, to do and, and be involved with such a, a cool, you know, a cool thing hanging out with roughly around almost 90 kids, uh, high school kids from uh, Cleveland, the Cleveland Youth Orchestra, they're called. And it was uh, it, it was brought about by our road manager, uh, Ed Repepi, who had, uh, you know, known about this, this orchestra and they had done other bands before and thought, wow, how cool would it be to bring you guys to a nice big room in Cleveland with this orchestra and you guys record it, you know? So we thought about it. We thought, how great would that be? We got a hold of the record company, Frontiers out of Italy, who we've been with for uh, quite a few years. And they, uh, you know, they worked out a deal with us and we went in and started working with the conductor who started, uh, you know, working with the orchestra to learn parts. And we didn't want them to overshadow what we were doing. We wanted them to enhance our playing, right? So they worked it out for a couple months, all the different songs that we chose. Had no problems with, you know, working out anything. But, uh, you know, a couple little areas that we did have issues, our keyboard player, uh, Eric Levy, who's great just to great keyboard player uh is into jazz and orchestra and, and all this uh, layering of orchestra parts he got with the uh chris here or uh the uh conductor and worked out some details a couple songs and it turned out really good we we went in and rehearsed with them for two days before the actual show and by the time the show came i, th- I don't know who was more nervous the kids or us because, because it was a whole new ball game and, and it turned out great and you know, my buddy Brian Isley, who works out of, you know, Philly, uh, yeah, he came in and recorded all the video on it. And, you know, it turned out real good. And we're lucky to have that out. And that just came out a few months ago. And, you know, we're, we're thinking, how cool would it be to possibly take this to, like, Japan or something? Or even maybe around the country in other spots if we were to, you know, we all got all the charts written out to get, you know, a local orchestra to come join us. But that's just... Hopeful thinking, you know, we're going to have a full dance car this year. We got, uh, our, our got 35, 40 shows booked. We did 75 to 80 last year. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do. And, and But, you know, it, it's the yin to yang, you know. I'm glad to be home and just to clear my head and and my uh, my brain with all the loud music and, and meet and greets and fan experiences, everything we do, and the travel. So, you know what I tell people, Dana? I travel for a living and play in a band on the side. I tell you, um, you know, we just had the uh, 
Sister Christian in that movie Air, which was the Michael Jordan um, uh, movie, and that came out, you know, six months ago, whatever. That was a, uh, at one section of the movie, they played all the big 80s hits, and they pumped us in that. So, you know, and I've done a lot of music for ESPN, Fox Sports, and, and all things like that, so I hear my stuff uh, on there once in a while, but that was a few years back. Uh, lately, you know, I mean, I'm working on my house. Uh, I'm getting a new deck put in as we speak, which is nice. And now that I'm home and these rains subsided, uh, I get a lot more done. But I, you know, I, I tell you, I come home and rest. I don't rest. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm high energy. I get up early. I um, have my coffee. You know, here's the thing I do that, you know, people may, you know, want to know. But when I get up in the morning, I don't have breakfast. I have, a, I have a big glass of water to clean my system, and I have my health food shake, which is, you know, strawberries, bananas, apples, and, and berries, and, 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 you know, uh, coconut milk, unsweetened, or uh, almond milk, whatever, and I put, the, you know, the powder in it and stuff, and I put about, put about 20 or 30 un, uh, unsweetened, uh, unsalted almonds in it, and I blend that up, and I have that for morning and my breakfast. And I tell you, I, I keep my energy up until about one or two in the afternoon. That's when I have a small sandwich and have a light dinner. But I'm trying to keep my weight down. I'm no spring chicken. And, um, I, you know, <laughs> at my age, my age, you, you gotta, you gotta watch yourself, you know? So, um, but that's, you know, uh, so that all this energy it gives me just from having that shake in the morning, I'm around doing a bunch of stuff and, and it's great working on my house. I got a beautiful house here in, in the woods here in, in the East Bay. And, you know, go right down to my street I'm downtown, but behind my house, uh, I get a beautiful wool, uh, view of the woods and Mount Diablo and trees and, and deer and, and um, you know, skunks and snakes. It's like a zoo. I, I charge people admission to come in my door. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of Sister Christian, uh, I still talk every once in a while with Gary Peel. And that was actually, I guess the demo for Sister Christian was recorded in his living room. He and Mary Lee were off on vacation or something somewhere. And you guys set up in the studio in his house. And he was telling me the other day, he still has a lot of those tapes. Do you want them? And and uh, Jack and I were discussing, they're probably dust inside the box now. But that yeah, would be fun that's... if there was still something on those. Yeah, you know, uh, tonight, we'll, we, we had a couple songs on there. We never put on a record, but I remember going up to Gary's house, and the whole band went up there. Of course, Jack lived up in this, uh, up north in, in the North Bay. So uh, me and, and Jeff Watson and uh, I think Kelly, and everybody, we would stay at Gary's house, and he had, you know, all the equipment there. We brought stuff in. We had, I think, he had an eight-track recorder back, you know, and we were just doing rough demos that kind of got things going. And the I can't even tell you how long we stayed there. It had to be two to five days, whatever it was. We recorded a bunch of great stuff um, and uh, on that A-track. And that we used as demos to go in and re-record things with Pat Glasser, our original producer back in the day, uh, early 1980s. Now, we, when we started and got this band together, um, the first day we got together at Jack's house, we wrote like six or seven songs. I mean, we were we were hot and heavy into it, and it was just it was just great to know that this combination of players was 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 viable and 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 and, and happening, and, and a lot of talent, and uh, you know, um, 
and then it wasn't for long after that when we went to Gary Peel's house and you know Alan Fitzgerald Fitz our keyboard player had a great relationship with Gary Peel and and Gary said yeah just come on up here stay in my house I'm taking off and you uh, just don't just don't trash the place and <laughs> yeah, for, uh, for those but, who don't know Gary was a longtime guitar player with uh Sammy Hagar and then of course with Boston and then became yeah. the senior, senior VP technology of uh Tom Schultz's you know, technology company and um, yes. just an incredible musicians musician there. When did um, now the whole the whole Aussie part of your career that came in after we lost Randy Rhodes, right? Yes, um, boy, I, I just to uh, backtrack a little on that subject. Uh, around 1980, when Nine Ridge got together, we were still called Ranger. We, we recorded our demos. We were shopping for a record deal, and no one knew who we were on the Bay Area. So instead of going and playing these clubs for 20 people, we decided just to lay off uh, and just kind of shop this record deal. So me wanted to play, and uh, all these buddies around town, Alameda, Oakland area, the East Bay. I put a band together called the Alameda All-Stars. Now, there was a bunch of friends that included Danny Chauncey, who played with 38 Special for about 30 years. We grew up together in Alameda. Anyway, we put this band together. We were doing four clubs around the Bay Area, and it was a blast. Thursday through Sunday, we play all through the Bay Area. Um, now, I remember going to see Ozzy play with Randy at the Day on the Green in the Oakland Stadium, summer of 1981, as he was being touted as the next Eddie Van Halen. Wouldn't saw him play live and just blown away like everybody else. So I started, uh, we incorporated a couple of Aussie tunes into the Alameda All-Star set. And we played every night. I think it was uh, Flying High Again and Crazy Train. So I remember March 19th, I believe, um, driving up to the Lucky Lion nightclub in the Oakland Hills and hearing on the radio there was this, you know, uh, tra tragic uh, plane crash that killed uh, Randy Rhodes. And I actually pulled over my truck, you know, with equipment and stuff, pulled over and just went, oh, my gosh, are you kidding? And my father was a pilot, 20 years Navy and 20 years uh, after that. So I flew with my father. I flew a little Cessna. He, was, he, play, he flew seven, uh, 37s up to 747s back then. But I, he had a private pilot's license. I used to go up in a Cessna and fly it with him when I was a kid. And, and when I heard it was uh, like this crazy Cessna crash that happened. Like I said, I pulled over and I was like, oh, my God, this isn't real, you know. So getting up to the club, we all loaded in. We decided to do a little um, a tribute to Randy that night. So, you know, uh, we played Crazy Train and Flying High again. And and there was a guy there that saw us play. His name is Preston Thrall. Now, Preston is Pat Thrall's brother. Pat Thrall played with Pat Travers and Meatloaf and all kinds of other people. Uh, and who played with Tommy Aldridge. Uh, in uh, in Pat Travers' band. So, long story short, Preston said, do you, you, were you interested in doing this gig? And I said, yeah, that'll happen. You know, I was like, and it's, they're still going to go on after this crash, but I found out that, yes, they were going to keep moving the tour on a few days later. So, uh, Preston then ended up telling Pat Thrall, Pat told Tommy Alders, Tommy Alders told Sharon, and sure enough, uh, I'm up late uh, playing that weekend. Uh, that next weekend, I was playing, and uh, on Saturday night, I stayed up really, really late because back in the '80s, people stayed up really, really late <laughs> uh, till we and, heard the birds the next morning. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I had this. I met this this girl, and we hung out that night and stayed up really, really late, <laughs> and went to bed about five in the morning. 
And eight o'clock, I get a phone call. This is crazy. I go, she's calling me on a Sunday morning. I pick up the phone. I go, hello. Hey, hello, Bradley. This is Sharon Arden, Ozzy Osbourne's manager. We'd like to fly you to New York for an audition with Ozzy. And knowing that I had told Preston I wanted to do this audition and the word getting out, whatever, I thought someone was screwing with me. And I said, all right, who is this? Come on, I'm sound asleep. No, no, this is Sharon. Uh, let me put Ozzy on the phone. I said, yeah, put Ozzy on the phone, right? In a very stern voice. Sure enough, this voice goes, hello, Bradley. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, these people, whoever's screwing with me, they, they're, they're doing a good job, right? Uh, I, I want you to learn these. I want you to get a pen and paper and learn these 18 songs. Now, there was, uh, Sharon had said they were in New York. They wanted to fly me out to New York. Uh, basically, uh, uh, my father being a pilot, when we would fly to New York and you'd be on the phone back in the 80s, early 80s, there would be a slight delay on the phone call. I heard that delay talking to Ozzy. I freaked out. I, I freaked out. I looked at this girl in bed. She's looking at me like, I go, it's, it's Ozzy. It's really Ozzy. Right? And, and, and I go, get me a pen and paper. Right? So she gets, gets me a pen and paper. So Ozzy names all the 18 songs. I write it down. I go, Ozzy, this, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to learn. I only know a few of these songs. Well, you'll learn them, won't you? I said, well, of course I will. So hung up the phone. They sent me a one-way ticket to New York. Uh, I went and got a couple albums of uh, old Black Sabbath things. Whatever I didn't have, I went and got through friends and went, and went to the store or whatever, bought whatever I needed. I sat around all day later on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday they flew me to New York. I flew into New York, one-way ticket at $150 in my pocket, no credit card. I'm a kid. You know, I didn't have any money back then. They picked me up at the, uh, little driver picks me up at the airport, you know, uh, takes me to the Helmsley Palace. And I pull in there at around noon, uh, excuse me, midnight, and they were playing Madison Square Gardens that night with the interim guitar player, Bernie Torme, who came in from England just to sit in and get shows done before uh, a permanent or, uh, you know, uh, somebody uh, long term uh, for that tour would, would come in and take over. So uh, I missed the show that night and... Uh, I went to check in, and I said, yeah, room for Brad Gillis. And, and the ladies front desk says, I'm sorry, we don't have a room for you. I said, uh, uh, Larry McNeeny, the road manager at the time. Oh, no, no. The Osborne camp? No, 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 we got nothing. Well, how much is the room? She said, well, it's $135. So I gave her $135, and I had $15 left in my pocket. And I went and sat in my room and went, okay, this is kind of, this isn't turning out very well so far. And sure enough, around midnight, uh, 12.30, I get a phone call from Larry saying, uh, hey, we're back from the gig at Madison. They played Madison Square Gardens that night. <sighs> I would have loved it on that one. Um, he said, you want to come up meet Ozzy? And I said, sure. So I didn't take the elevator, Dana. I ran up the stairs. <laughs> My blood flowing, and, the, and I was just too excited, right? Sure enough. This uh, top floor suite, two big, huge doors, you know, all this music going on in the background. I'm banging on the door. And this guy opens the door and says, oh, you must be Brad. I said, yeah. He goes, I'm Larry McKinney, road manager. I said, hey. he goes, everything going well? And I go, yeah, I got to tell you, Larry, I, I checked in and uh, I didn't have a room. And I paid $135. I got $15 in my, in my pocket. And he pulls out a wad of $100 bills and slaps $500 in my hand. Will this work? <laughs> I said, yes, it's getting better. 
He goes, come over and meet Ozzy. So I go over to meet Ozzy and Sharon, and, and Larry goes, hey, Sharon, this is Brad, the, the guitar player. Goes, Hello, Bradley. Oh, nice to meet you. Come meet Ozzy. And Ozzy wasn't in the best spirits, I should say. He was a little, little out there. Um, you know, he, you know, I can see he went through a lot with the loss of, it was like two weeks ago, he just lost Randy. And, and anyway, he was pretty drunk, whatever. And, uh, and she goes, Ozzy, this is Bradley, the guitar player we flew in. And, and I look down at him immediately. He goes, go get your guitar. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't have an amplifier. Go get your guitar. I was like, okay. <laughs> I stairs and ran back up those stairs with my guitar. And there was like 40, 50 people in the suite. They were all interviewers, you know, photographers, interviewers, uh, just, you know, people uh, associated with the band, guests, whatever. And um, so we walked up these stairs, Ozzy and I, to go in the master suite to, to audition. And, uh, you know, you know that E.F. Hutton commercial when E.F. Hutton talks, everyone listens? Well, I'm walking up the stairs, all of a sudden I look behind me and there's 40 people looking and staring at me like, okay, this is the big audition, right? So I go in the room, Ozzy closed the door. He goes, what do you want to play? I go, I can do flying high again. Okay, so he kneels on the floor at the end of the bed in front of me. I'm, I'm sitting on the end of the bed. And he's going, oh, no, oh, no. Here we go now. I got a granny lamb. He's looking up to me, singing to me. And I'm going, oh, my God, is this for real? So I came to the solo and I did this big solo and there's a big tapping thing. And I did all that and I got done with the solo and Ozzy jumps up and I jump up and he gives me a big hug and he says, Bradley, I love you. Pull me through. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was heavy, you know, because he's been through a lot. He wanted to save this tour. He, uh, you know, I said, I'll say, I'll do whatever I can to help you out. I'm, I'm here for you. You know, he swings on, uh, he swings open the door and he yells, out, I found a new fucking guitar player. And everybody's like, talking <laughs> and everything. And, and I, I go downstairs and everybody's on me. Who are you? Where you been? What, you know, who you been with? And, uh, you know, I said, oh, I'm nobody. I played in Rubicon and uh, I'm just a guitar player from the Bay Area. And, and uh, so, so that, you know, it, it was pretty exciting for me. And that's when I started getting really nervous about this gig because it was heavy. Uh, I thought there would be other people at auditioning. In fact, I saw, I thought a lot of the people that were in that room were auditioning because they were guys in their 20s like me with long hair. And, and when I asked Larry about these guys, he goes, oh, no, they're, you know, photographers, interviewers, friends, whatever. It's just you, man. It's just you. Okay. No pressure there, Dana. So they... <laughs> So they took me on the road. Sharon got me a boombox. They gave me a board cassette tape of Randy playing live uh, a month or two before that, earlier that year in early 82. So I was able to sit in my room with the amp and the boombox. And all day long, I would sit and, and practice and learn from the cassette tape. Now, the advantage I had, Dana, growing up is I learned by ear. Uh, my brother's friend came over when I was very young, nine years old, said, Brad, just listen to the radio. You don't need, you don't need to read this music and learn. Mary had a little lamb. Listen to the radio. Pick it up by ear. You know, get your brother's record. Start listening and figure out where the one chord is and try to play these leads. And I'll come over once in a while and I'll give you a couple lessons, right? Because he, he was a guitar player, a friend of my brother. So I started listening to the radio and I'd learn by ear. So for three or four days, I sat in my room during the day wouldn't even go to sound check. I would only go to the show, stand at the soundboard, 
and watch the show with Bernie and the sold out crowds and this amazing castle set and, and, and all this pyro going off. And, and, and the sound man looked over at me every night. He'd look over at me and he'd go, <laughs> and he'd laugh at me. <laughs> and, and I'm looking like, what? He goes, <laughs> good luck, buddy. You know, he's, he's, he's like, okay. a little more pressure there. And then on the, uh, about the fourth day, I had learned my, I learned what I could, and I wanted to take go over and get it, get in there, start doing it. So I went and did a sound check. Never played with a band before in my life. Did seven songs out of the eighteen because there was a time constraint before they opened the doors. Uh, Ozzy didn't even show up for sound check, uh, and I played my first that for show that night. And uh, I think it was May, it was middle of May, uh, Binghamton, New York, uh, sold out eight thousand people. So uh, I got thrown right into the fire, you know. And uh, all this time, I have never heard you tell this story, and I am just mesmerized. <laughs> all this well, time, I, I've never heard you tell this story. I love it. Yeah, you know, I've been telling it for a while, but I, I give you the clip notes because there's all, all all kinds of things happening. <laughs> I so, bet everything well, up to it. We run out of time here. You got to go build a deck. Uh, love you dearly. It was so good to see you a few days ago and then give you a hug in person. And uh, hopefully our paths will cross again sometime here in the uh, the very near future. Uh, hopefully we'll get out to Houston, if not back to the uh, Palm Springs area. But thanks again for having me. Always a pleasure. And uh, we will talk soon, my friend. You've been listening to Dana's Diner, a weekly conversation with the men and women who created your favorite classic hits. Dana's Diner is produced by Dana Steele and Houston Radio Platinum.